Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, the podcast that aims to educate and inform Black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. This week, we're discussing the pelvic floor and the issues we can have as a result of a problematic one. In the guest chair, we're joined by Dr. Keneal Siegel. Keneal, who is owner of Lotus Physical Therapy and Wellness, graduated from Rutgers University with a doctoral degree in physical therapy and an intense passion for helping others overcome injury and trauma. Dr. Siegel treats men and women in her practice and is most dedicated to treating women with prenatal and postpartum conditions. Having suffered her own pelvic floor and abdominal conditions with her three children, she is well prepared both personally and clinically to address those conditions. Dr. Siegel is trained in mat Pilates as well as comprehensively trained in the use of a variety of Pilates apparatus through Beacon Pilates. She utilizes a whole body holistic approach to treatment, addressing sleep, nutrition, and behavioral modification to assist in healing and recovery. And at this point, I would like to welcome Dr. Keneal Siegel to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I would like for you to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey into becoming a pelvic floor physical therapist. So my name is Dr. Keneal Siegel, and I am the owner of Lotus Physical Therapy and Wellness. It's a pelvic floor practice in New Jersey. I am the owner and the physical therapist who pretty much does the majority of the treatment. So I treat men and I also treat women. I entered into this particular field of physical therapy because I'm also the mother of three children. And with the pregnancy of my first, about eight years ago, I had my own pelvic floor and abdominal issues that I wasn't aware was pelvic health related. At the time, I wasn't even practicing PT. I didn't even start PT school. I was just about to enter PT school. Um, Fast forward about a year after I had my baby, my pelvic floor and abdominal issues only became more severe despite me approaching, you know, doctors and saying, hey, this is going on. I have major back pain. I'm leaking. Mm -hmm. I can't hold my baby while standing because it causes me so much pain and discomfort. And also my belly is doing something really weird and funky, which I then learned because I was in PT school was diastasis recti. And they just said, you know, give it some time, give it some time. You'll, you'll continue to heal. And they just kept telling me that And a year out, I was like, okay, enough is enough. How long is it take to recover from having a baby? And, and that's when I, I went to see a pelvic floor physical therapist or women's health PT at the recommendation of a professor of mine. And I went to see this physical therapist and within a month or so, my back pain was gone. Mm. My abdominals were looking pretty good, like better than even before pregnancy. 
and and I was no longer leaking. So that pretty much sold me into doing this type of work because I realized how uncommon it is to know what pelvic floor PT is. I mean, even as a PT student, I wasn't really aware of what that really meant. And I figured if I didn't know that much, then the general public didn't really know that much. So I took that as this is going to be my mission in life is to pretty much educate the population as much as I can about what pelvic floor PT is so that women who have problems can get the help that they need. Absolutely. Because I think that I've only recently heard about the practice and I hear about people talking about the things that people will go there for all the time and no one even mentions that. So I don't think it is a common thing. I think a lot of people, a lot more people would go if they knew it was a thing in the first place. Yes, I completely agree. The general population just doesn't really know what pelvic floor PT is. You know, people think physical therapy and they're like, yeah, the people that help you to walk after you have an accident, but there's so much more to physical therapy than just that. Okay. Well, in that vein, can you give us a kind of a breakdown of what a physical therapist does for pelvic floor? Like, why would I go to see one? So there's a majority of reasons that would bring someone to a pelvic floor PT. So I like to categorize them. So First, if anyone's having any bowel or bladder problems, right, so they can't control their urine or bowels or gas, whether that's initiating, so constipation or actually just urinating, or holding back, like holding back gas, holding back bowels, holding back urine. Um, Also, I group Another category would be like sex, sexual sexual dysfunction. So that might be for men having trouble maintaining an erection, pain with an erection, um, pain with ejaculation or post-ejaculation, and women uh, pain during sex, pain after sex, um, or dryness in the in the vagina during sex, which can cause pain as well. Um, anything also related to abdominal health. So uh, abdominal separation, which happens to the majority of women in pregnancy and can happen postpartum, but that's not just specific to pregnancy. Men can have abdominal separation as well. Children can have abdominal separation as well. So it's it's a lot more common than people um, think it is. And, and also, you know, being a pelvic floor PT, we, we, although we are focused on the pelvic floor and the pelvic region, there's a lot more outside of the pelvic floor that we treat. Like, for example, we also treat pain, just pain in general. So any pain in the pelvic region, in the abdominal region, but even pain in the shoulders. So I treat women prenatal and postpartum and and nursing can put women in a lot of, you know, compromising positions where they end up with back pain because they're hunched over for a really long time or a mm-hmm. neck pain or headaches because of, you know, positions that they end up in while they're nursing or feeding their baby. And pain can arise during pregnancy and after pregnancy as well. So all of those are just some conditions that we can treat. Um, any weakness 
or muscle overactivity, we can also address as well. So there's okay. a lot. There's a lot of yeah, different categories. There is that we can a treat. lot. Because <laughs> I never even thought about the possibility of men having the abdominal separation. Oh yes, absolutely. Men what can causes have abdominal that? separation. What causes it? So it's pressure. It's really just pressure management when there's mm. too it's like a balloon. If you blow up a balloon too much, right? There's too much pressure inside the balloon. The balloon cannot support it and the balloon will give way and it will burst. So in your abdominal cavity, right, in your belly region, or people call their stomach or their belly, um, Mm -hmm. it's a pressurized system. So if there's too much pressure, and that could be because of pregnancy, if there's too much pressure because the uterus is growing so large, the muscles become weaker because they're becoming stretched and Mm. the connective tissue, the muscles all just stretch out and become weak and that causes um, abdominal separation. For women or men that obviously don't go through pregnancy, the pressure might increase in the abdominal cavity if they hold their breath while they're going to the bathroom and straining really hard while they're trying to go. So constipation can actually result in abdominal separation. Um, Holding your breath while exercising and lifting heavy weights, that can also put way too much pressure in the abdominal cavity as well as the pelvic floor and cause abdominal separation and pelvic floor weakness um, and pelvic organ prolapse. Just another wow. condition that we can I've never well. heard that. And that's yes. crazy because I definitely hold my breath a lot of times when I'm lifting weights. I have to mentally oh, yeah. stop doing that because I will be so shocked if I had that. I'm like, I don't, I've never even had a baby. How did this happen? Yes, I have. I've treated women who never had children with uh, abdominal separation and pelvic organ prolapse as well because of, you know, poor constipation management or poor pressure management. So uh, that okay. may be poor, you know, they're constipated and they're straining too much or they're holding their breath. Um, but there's also things that you might not do that can cause pelvic organ prolapse, abdominal weakness, or or pelvic floor weakness. If someone has a connective tissue disorder where they are just weak and, and, and the oh, connective okay. tissues are not as strong, that can lead to um, abdominal separation and pelvic floor weakness as well. And individuals with lung conditions where they're coughing a lot, that puts oh a gosh. lot of pressure in the belly and in the pelvic floor region as well. So all of those things can cause weakness in the abdominals and pelvic floor. Yes. And I'm like listening to these things because I'm like three for three here because I (laughs) I have a connective tissue disease and I definitely noticed a difference when I had a pneumonitis that lasted a long time. So yes. And and again, like I said, I would have never even thought about seeing a pelvic floor doctor, but I literally coughed for like a year. So. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm sure that did some damage to your abdominal. Right. It's like maybe I need to make an, a, an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's every woman's responsibility to see a pelvic floor PT. On a regular basis, you know, we're told to go to the OBGYN to get regular checkups, but I think a pelvic floor checkup should be a part of that as well. I really do. I encourage my patients 
to come back on a regular basis. Like come back in, you know, come back in three months. The ones who, who, you know, needed more continuous care, come Mm -hmm. back in three months. Let's make sure you're going in the right direction. Okay. Come back in nine months, come back a year, come back yearly after that, just to see, just to make sure that you're moving in the right direction because our bodies change weekly, right? Our bodies Mm -hmm. change on a monthly basis just because of the different hormones spikes and lows and there's just so much change so many changes that happen in a short amount of time our pelvic floor ends up um, changing as well okay so if you're experiencing some of these issues should you go to try to find a pelvic floor therapist first or is it like should you go to a doctor and then have them tell you It depends on what state you live in, but the majority of states now have some sort of what's called direct access, meaning you do not need permission from a doctor to go to see a pelvic floor PT or just any physical therapist in general. You can go straight to the physical therapist who can then assess you and determine whether you do have a condition that is treatable with uh, physical therapy. Okay, that's great. So can you explain a little bit, how does that first appointment go? Like what should someone expect when going to their first pelvic floor appointment? Yes, that's a good question. So the first appointment, which I call the initial evaluation or the initial consultation, for me personally, that's my longest appointment. Some other physical therapists, they might have their evaluation and their treatments at the same as the same time length, but my evaluation, I do have it longer because it allows me to really take my time and figure out what the heck is going on and here are some things that we can do to fix it and here's what I think we can do or here are some things that we can try. Here's some things for you to go home with. But the majority of the time is spent me listening. I'm listening to your story. What is it that brought you in here today? And how does that affect your life? What has been going on? When did it start? Even if you think, you know, I come in with pain with sitting and you say, you know, it just started like a month ago. I'm getting a lot of that now, especially because of coronavirus, a lot of people are working from home. So they're sitting Mm -hmm. a lot. So pretty much everyone that comes in is like, it hurts when I sit. And it's like, did it start with justice, you know, working from home? And oftentimes I ask, what happened when you were younger? Did you ever fall on your butts, on your back, on your hips, anywhere? And they're like, you know what? I fell in middle school. And they're like, do you think? I'm like, yeah, probably right Mm. issues that you have is it's just micro issues and over time it just layers on top of each other until one day your body can no longer handle it and all of a sudden Mm. you have this pain that won't go away okay so the majority of the time is spent with me listening to the story and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and also trying to in my head in addition to, you know, putting the pieces of the puzzle together, it's helping me to determine what is it that I would like to assess what's most important. Do we need to do a pelvic floor internal exam today? Are we looking more at the hips? Are we looking more at the back? Am I looking at your ankle or your shoulder or a particular movement? Or what exactly are we looking at? So once I determine what I'm looking at and what I'm doing, 
then we go ahead and we do that. And and that would be the more objective piece where I'm trying to figure out how do your muscles behave? Is this movement efficient? Is it not efficient? I'm looking at your tissues. Do the tissues move, behave the way they're supposed to? If you have any scars, I'm looking at scar tissue. Are they doing what they're supposed to? Is there any pain or restrictions uh, related to the scar? I'm checking muscle strength. I'm checking the range of motion. How do the joints move? And, And also I'm checking, because I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist, there's an internal pelvic floor assessment. So for male, that's done through the anus. For women, that's done through the vagina or the anus, but most likely um, it's through the vagina. So when I do an internal assessment, I'm checking, you know, coordination of the muscles. Do they do what they're supposed to when they're supposed to? I'm checking the strength of the muscles. Are Is it strong? Is it weak? And I'm also checking for any pain. Does it hurt when I have my finger on this muscle or that muscle? What about this layer of the pelvic floor? Because there's different layers and there's different muscles and I know where they Mm. are. Does it hurt when I place my finger here if I apply a little bit of pressure? How about here? You know, I'm, I'm checking all of those different things and we're comparing the left side to the right side. Does it hurt more on the left side? Does it hurt more on the right side? Are you able to feel the left and right side equally or evenly does it feel the same you know what's going on and then after that part which really is the shortest part of the whole assessment is the pelvic floor assessment that really is the shortest part so even if someone comes in and they're nervous about that I tell them yeah honestly that's the shortest part we spend the majority (laughs) of the time speaking when I'm doing my objective measures I'm looking at bunch of other different things before I say okay let's get to the pelvic floor and that's usually the last the very last thing that we do and the shortest part of what I'm doing after that we kind of come up with here's what I found here's what I think is going on here's my plan here's how I think we can best address it what do you think about that how do you feel does that make you comfortable do you think this is something you'd be able to do and I always provide some sort of education I'm teaching you about your pelvic floor I'm teaching you things that you can do on your own to manage or address things that come up during the assessment you're always going home with knowledge and things to do and if there's any additional tools that need to be purchased or that's going to be a part of our treatment, we talk about that. I usually have samples of, of everything that I recommend so that I can, you know, take them out and show them and say, here's what this looks like. Here's what it feels like. Here's how you would use it um, and give them directions to do that. Okay, so what kind of tools are they like I I did a little research to try to prepare for this and I yeah. saw a few things I saw something that kind of looked like Captain Hook um <laughs> some other wands and I even saw toys like with phone apps um uh, yes. uh like a Kaggle or Kegel trainer mm-hmm. so tell me about those and are those things that people have found helpful So there's a bunch of different things that we can use to assist in in therapy. 
and the Captain Hook type thing is called a wand and it's curved and it's meant to be inserted through the vagina or through the anus and it's it's essentially serves the the role of my finger so during a assessment and in treatment I will use my finger my one pointer finger to place my fingers on the muscles and apply a little pressure or massage the muscles if I need to or kind of stimulate the muscle to help someone engage the muscle. Um, But with the wand, the wand is serving the purpose of my finger because I can't go home with my patients. So, Mm -hmm. and it's hard to reach certain muscles depending on how deep and how angled it is within the pelvic floor through the vagina. So the wand is is, is just another tool to help to reach those muscles better, apply a little pressure. It's used for really what we call down training. So if a particular muscle on the left side hurts, you would insert the wand, move it over to the left side, and I teach you breathing techniques to use to to relax the muscle, lengthen the muscle, basically teach the muscle to not be painful anymore because that wand or my finger is not a painful stimulus. It's just a stimulus. The brain has just overreacted and now labels it as painful. So we're really trying to change the brain, not Mm. necessarily the muscle directly. We're just reteaching the brain how to respond to this touch. So that's what the wand does. Um, there's also dilators, which um, come in different sizes. So they start off really small, like a finger or a tampon, and they can get as large as the size of your partner's um, penis, essentially. So those are meant to stretch the vagina and teach the vagina, the walls of the vagina and the muscles of the vagina to accept penetration, again, without pain. We're reteaching the brain to recognize this stretch as non-painful. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then there are the Kegel exercise trainers, um, as you mentioned, and you can use those with an app on your phone. Those are more for strengthening the pelvic floor or even just being aware of what the pelvic floor is and when to use it and how to use it. So if you contract... Um, around the device that you insert into your vagina, it essentially squeezes the device and that squeeze is measured on the app and it shows you what, whether you squeezed or whether you released or relaxed the muscle. So it's just it just brings awareness as to when to squeeze and how much to squeeze. Okay. And are those things recommended? Are they for... Problems are they for just maintenance period or both? So all of those, all the above um, that I mentioned are part of therapy. So these are those are all tools that someone would use at home because if they come to therapy only once a week, that's an hour. There's, you know, six other days, 23 other hours in the day that you're not doing anything, right? And therapy needs to be more of 
um, a continuous process, uh, especially in the beginning of therapy, so that mm-hmm. it's not just one hour a week because that's not enough. So that it's really meant to serve as a complement to to therapy. So none of those tools are used in treatment itself with me. The tools are all for the patient to use at home as a complement to what we are doing in therapy. And they are very helpful. And I always tell patients that if you do the work, if you put in the work, you will get better faster. Because like I said, once a week for an hour isn't enough. Mm -hmm. You have to put in some more time. So I was reading an article about the LV trainer, which is one of those um, devices. Yes. And people with like not a problem were just using them and they were saying that it increased like sexual satisfaction. Is that something, you know, does that make sense basically It does um, with the science? Absolutely, because the pelvic floor, one of the roles of the pelvic floor is sexual function. So an orgasm is a contraction and a relaxation and another contraction and a relaxation. It's just multiple fast contractions and relaxation. That's what an orgasm is of the pelvic floor muscles. Mm-hmm. So if you have a strong pelvic floor, you will have stronger orgasms. Got so it. it does improve sex life just because strong muscles make stronger orgasms. So there is a benefit to having really strong pelvic floor muscles, but you don't want muscles to be too strong. Right, right. (laughs) Because that can cause some other problems. (laughs) But the Kegel exercises just makes the pelvic floor healthy if you're not overdoing it, right? So it it just encourages a healthy pelvic floor, and a healthy pelvic floor will give you a healthier sex life. Right. Okay. (laughs) So I know one of the the different buckets that we talked about was urinary frequency or urgency. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, What kind of things can people do to address that type of issue? So to address incontinence, I really do recommend seeing a urologist, a urogynecologist, Or a pelvic floor physical therapist, because depending on whether you have urinary incontinence that's related to stress, like jumping, coughing, sneezing, or urge incontinence, that's two different things. Okay. Two different treatments. And they may be a result, or both of them could be a result of pelvic floor underactivity, where the muscles are weak and not engaging enough, or overactivity where the muscles are too short but also weak and not engaging enough so Mm. the treatment differs if the muscles are too short then the muscles need to be relaxed and lengthened if the muscles are too lengthened then they need to be strengthened right so it kind of depends on what's causing it in the first place so getting to the bottom of why is this incontinence there is important 
if someone has incontinence and they tried Kegel exercises, I do my Kegel exercises, but I'm leaking worse, right? I'm, I'm going mm-hmm. more, I'm leaking more. Then that's a sign that Kegel exercises are not for you. And okay. you need to do the opposite of contracting the muscles and learn to relax the muscles, which seems counterintuitive, but a pelvic floor physical therapist can teach you how and when to do that. Oh, nice. Okay. Because I'm sure the goal is to not do that. So, (laughs) right. Okay. So I know you talked about other ways to do some things at home. I've heard about like stretching and things like that. Is that one of the things that you would recommend? Yes. Again, it depends on what the condition is. So I often do recommend and even provide certain specific stretches depending on what I find during that evaluation, right? When, I, when I'm when i checking movement and muscles and tissues and how they behave, I may say, you know what, this stretch might be beneficial to you and I'll show um, my patient a few stretches to try if they need to stretch a particular muscle because it's tight or it just needs help relaxing or it's going to help with a muscle on the opposite side um, of that joint or that body part, um, I will often recommend stretches. Stretches in general just feel really good and I will recommend it if, if muscles are tight or if someone just needs to relax and slow down. Okay, so would you recommend yoga or something like that just on the regular, you know, just in case or like a preventative type thing? Yeah, I I absolutely do recommend yoga and any other exercise, really. I'm a big promoter of what feels right for you and what feels good for you. So if someone loves yoga, then I'm like, great, here are some yoga exercises that are going to be beneficial for you. And here's why. And here's how to incorporate what we do together in therapy into your yoga. So you're kind of getting a two for one. You're getting your yoga done and you're getting your pelvic floor exercises done. Whether you need to strengthen the muscles or you need to relax the muscles, I can teach you how to do that. Um, I also just show general stretches if someone isn't into yoga. And even in Pilates, I do Pilates as well. And Pilates, there's always... Anytime you contract a muscle, there's a stretch on the other side of it. So I will often teach just general movement. Just move. (laughs) Most people just need to move, whether it's through yoga, dance, Pilates, CrossFit, whatever it is that you enjoy, do it. And if you have problems doing it because of whatever's going on and that's why you're coming to me, then we figure out, okay, maybe we just need to modify it rather than just saying, don't do that anymore. We Mm -hmm. just modify it. What can we do differently? Can we tone it down and, and still get the benefit of the exercise without having symptoms? Then we just try that. Okay. So I know you mentioned things like constipation and things like that. And I would imagine some of that is muscle-based, but is there a nutrition component that you do or is that a different doctor that would work on that? So more specific recommendations, I will often recommend um, a nutritionist, but I do make general recommendations. So if someone has constipation and they drink a glass of water a day, 
oh, we're talking about water. <laughs> you got to <laughs> drink more water. Or they have constipation and they're not eating enough food. Well, you can't put out what you're not putting in, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you're eating breads and pastas and potatoes and you know, you're eating a lot of foods that look the same, well, you're not getting a ton of variety and the foods that you're eating are binding. Mm. Then we're talking about fiber, the different kinds of fiber and how, you know, when to eat and how much to eat. And we're taught, so we are talking about diet um, mm -hmm. as far as constipation goes, even with bladder issues. If someone is leaking um, after they have a ton of coffee, then guess what? Coffee caffeine is a bladder irritant so we are talking oh, about certain okay. things that you might need to cut back on just to see we're just it's not a cut out forever it's maybe five glasses of wine a week is contributing to your urinary incontinence let's see what happens if you cut it down to two or maybe you're drinking a ton of lemon water and that's irritating you. Well, maybe let's try a different flavored water and see how that how that goes yeah. and how that works for you. Um, and even someone that has a pelvic organ prolapse or a tear in their pelvic floor because of childbirth or they have abdominal separation, we're also talking about diet um, because... In order to heal, you need to give your food nutrients. So I don't make specific recommendations as to what to eat, but I will make general generalizations like eat the rainbow, you know, eat a variety of foods that, that come in all different colors just to make sure that you're getting the right amount of vitamins and minerals that you need to assist your body to recover from trauma. Okay. So I know you mentioned the the diastasis recti, um, and I think that's something that I hear about quite often. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so are there things that people can do at home, or is that something that you definitely need to come in for? Because I know you mentioned in your own personal journey that people were just telling you it'll heal naturally, and you know, you went in after month and you felt a lot better. Yeah, so it depends on the severity. I, you know, I'm biased, so I'm going to say have it checked out by a pelvic floor PT or a women's health PT to see, like, do you really have diastasis recti or is it just more of a weakness in the abdominals? Because most of my patients that come in saying I have diastasis, they really don't. Mm. <laughs> it's more of a weakness that I, I assess. And I'm like, you're good. You don't have diastasis. No need to fear doing, you know, these exercises. Just do it with caution. Here's how you engage your deep abdominals. Whether they have it or not, I'm teaching you how to engage your deepest abdominal muscle layer because that's the muscle that most people need to retrain how to activate it's supposed to activate reflexively on its own in response to even thinking about movement but sometimes wow. it doesn't or it's not efficient if there's been any pain or any trauma to pretty much any other part of your body <laughs> especially the pelvis the abdominals or the back and during pregnancy it's all happening which is why it's so common during pregnancy Okay, 
So with that type of thing, you come to therapy and then it's like any other physical therapy, you kind of come, do you get like a, okay, you, this is going to be six sessions or like, it how depends. does that go? It really depends on how severe someone is like four to six, six to eight is, is the average time someone might, you know, recover. But sometimes I see patients two or three times. Some I've only seen one time because I don't think they need to come in consistently. Even someone that comes in who thinks they have diastasis, I'm like, you don't. It's just a little abdominal weakness. I'm not even concerned about it. Just make sure you engage your deep abdominals. Go do your exercise program that you were doing before. Just make sure you breathe, don't hold your breath, and move and use your body in this particular way that we talk about, just to make sure that they're going on an upward trend and are not, you know, getting worse. Okay. So say you're listening to this and you're like, oh my God, a pelvic floor therapist is exactly what I need. (laughs) What are the kind of resources that you would recommend to try to find a therapist? So Google or any internet search is going to be probably the easiest way. Wherever you live, you can just type in pelvic floor physical therapist, your location, and you're most likely going to get the closest one. Now, you might get you probably will get a bunch of physical therapy that's not necessarily pelvic floor physical therapist. So you may have to do a little bit more homework to make sure that they are a pelvic floor physical therapist. Like if you get, you know, six hits, go through them to see like, do they actually treat pelvic floor? Is it only men that work there? Because the likelihood is they are not pelvic floor physical therapists. Mm -hmm. Not that they don't exist. They do, but there's very few of them. Um, and you could also try, there's a couple different uh, websites where you can look up pelvic floor physical therapists. And one of them is pelvicrehab.com, I believe. And it's through an institute called the Herman and Wallace Institute, which is where I received training as a pelvic floor PT. There's also the American Physical Therapy Association. They have a pelvic health um, academy. You can search their directory as well for a local pelvic floor physical therapist and there are some other ones um there's one pelvic guru i think that's the name of her tracy share is her name but she has a whole directory out too i believe it's pelvic guru where she has a database too and there's some companies that make the pelvic floor tools like the wands and the dilators some of those companies will have directories on their website as well but okay the the top three i usually say is check google compare that with um pelvic rehab which is the herman and wallace and and also check it with the apta's pelvic institute because those are two different institutes and you'll get uh you might get two completely different lists from those Okay. And is there any kind of certifications that we want that person to have? Some pelvic floor PTs are certified. Most are not. Actually, I shouldn't even say most. I don't know. (laughs) Some are certified. Like they have a certificate, which means that they did hours and hours of studying. They sat for an exam and they have additional letters behind their name. But not all pelvic floor PTs or women's health 
PTs have that certification. I don't have any certifications, but this is all I've been doing and practicing. It's just personal decision. I don't feel the need to get one at this time in my life because I'm a busy mom with three very young babies and I just my brain power is just not there to even (laughs) sit and study for an exam right now it's something I would consider in the future but no certification is required you just want to look for experience if you're going in as someone who does CrossFit and you're having specific CrossFit related problems then you know I would try to find someone who has experience in CrossFit because then they understand where you're coming from, right? Or if you are, if you have pain with sex, then you want to make sure that the therapist that you see has experience with treating pain with sex because some PTs just focus externally, believe it or not, and you might need someone who's going to do an internal assessment. Right, absolutely. So you just want to ask questions. Most pelvic floor PTs are completely open to speaking with you. Call them on the phone and talk with them. Send them an email and say, hey, I want to talk. (laughs) I'm sure most of them will say, yeah. Okay. All right. That's a good idea. So if we want to keep in touch with you, where do we go? How do we find you? So my website for my practice is lotuspt.com. My Instagram handle is Lotus Pelvic PT, and I'm also on Facebook, Lotus PT and Wellness. Awesome. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, you have a podcast too, right? I do. Yes. I recently started a podcast primarily for women of color to learn pretty much all there is to pelvic health. Just Again, just another way of like helping the community and getting information out there because there's a lot of basic information we should all know, but we don't. So my goal is for everyone to learn that basic information. So when someone says vagina, you know, they actually mean vagina and not the outside, which is the vulva. Right. Okay. And what's the name of that? It's called the Kegel Room. It's on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, and Google right now. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Thank you. So I don't have anything else. Did you have anything you wanted to share? Uh, Just pelvic health, man. We all have pelvic floors. We should all know more about it. That's really just my wish for everyone is to know what their pelvic floor is and what it does and what it feels like if it's not doing what it's supposed to do so that you can get help (laughs) because there is help. Absolutely. And is there any good resource we should go for that? You know, again, I'm going to default that to to Google. But I will say, be careful with the information that you find. Social media can, there's a lot of things on social media that aren't realistic. Mm -hmm. I don't know a better word for that. But there's just a lot of not unrealistic things out there or just not helpful things out there. And this was one of the reasons why I started the podcast because I pretty much got tired of seeing all this misinformation and I wanted people to get real information. So I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Following, you know, doctors and providers who are professionals when it comes to these things, I think is essential because you don't want to get your information from, you know, just any old person 
who's had the condition. Not saying they don't have the information or the knowledge, but they may be there may be missing pieces to that. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this was such a great wealth of information. Thank you. I'm glad to help. Wow. I don't know about y'all, but I definitely learned some new things. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to put a pelvic floor therapist in my squad. If you'd like to keep up with Dr. Siegel, you can visit her website at lotuspt.com. Her Facebook is Lotus PT and Wellness. Her Instagram is Lotus Pelvic PT. And of course, you can catch her on her podcast, The Kegel Room. If you'd like to keep up with us, we're at Yo This Can't Be Life on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on all your major podcast players. Please consider rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, as well as sharing us on social media and amongst your friends. Until next time.